I think I married the wrong person. That's a question that we have received more than one time, and that's why I have written an article here titled, I Think I Married the Wrong Person. You can listen to this podcast, of course. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and you are listening to Your Daily Drive. But all of our Your Daily Drive podcasts are in article format, and so you can read this podcast in an article. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for the same title, I Think I Married the Wrong Person. And you can read everything that I'm going to share with you. Plus, I have a video here that's about eight or nine minutes that I would love for you to watch. It is on decision-making, how to make a biblical decision. I also have several articles that are linked here. It would be great if you uh, had the time, took the time to read these articles as well. Of course, our articles can be used in any discipleship context. You can also share them on Facebook or other social media platforms. I would encourage you to use these if you are discipling, if you're doing biblical counseling, that you take our articles and that you send these links to other people and say, hey, I would like for you to read this. I would like for you to respond to the call to action at the bottom of this article and let us work for you that way. One of the reasons that I started this ministry many years ago is because I needed to have more connectivity to the folks that I was discipling. I was counseling them in a context and then they would leave the counseling office and I would not see them again or connect with them until the next time we met in the counseling office. And so I started writing articles and I used these articles as a well, the way that I used to tell them is, I want you to take me home with you. That was what I have. I've said that to many counselees over the years. I want you to take me home with you, and you can do that if you read the things that I share with you. Everything that I know about counseling, I have written out. It is on our website. Our website is a sanctification center that's connected to the internet, and anybody can access it, whether you are a counselee. That's kind of a trick statement, by the way, because we're all counselees. Everybody is a counselee, and so you can access our sanctification center, and you can receive help. But also, if you're the kind of person who wants to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples, meaning you're on the other side as well. You're not just a counselee, but you're a counselor. You are a disciple maker. Then I would encourage you to let us work for you. We would love to partner with you and give you the resources that you need to help those within your sphere of care. Now, you can do that by listening to our podcast and sharing these audio um, articles, but you can also share the written articles as well. We have videos too, and we have public and private forums that you can get on and that you can ask your questions. A pastor was on our website today, and he was asking a question about a situation, and I had the opportunity. I, I actually have been interacting with him for a few weeks now, and we do this all the time. We're, we're like a a coaching consulting service, so to speak, where we help people by coming alongside them and give them 
advice in whatever they may be going through. If you have benefited from our resources, then let me appeal to you to uh, support us if you do not. If you're able to support us, then why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you supporting us? Maybe it would be good for you to ask that question. You can say something like this. I really like what they are doing. I, I like the articles that they write. I like the podcast. I like the information. It's very helpful for me. It's, it's helpful for others. Uh, I, I think that I need to be supporting them. Why am I not supporting this ministry? At least $5 a month. What can I give up? A cup of coffee, maybe, or whatever else. Uh, and I do have the ability, and only if, if you do have the ability, I, I don't want to guilt trip anyone. We are in the middle of a website build. It will cost us at uh, $25,000 to build this website. And I saw the template for it today. I'm really excited about it. But the things that we provide do not come free, even though we offer them freely. One of the biggest reasons that we can do what we do, apart from the grace of God, is that people do support our ministry. And so if you can, with a one-time donation or support us, make that your habit. That would be an outstanding habituation uh, to be able to uh, support us and help us to continue to spread the practical me message of Jesus Christ to Christians around the world. Now, I want to talk about this idea of marrying the wrong person. I titled the podcast and the article this way, I think I married the wrong person. How do we get there? Where does it begin? Well, you know where it begins. In the beginning, it's quite easy, as a matter of fact. It's easy to make a decision. When things seem clear and the future appears bright, with an optimistic heart, you decide on that thing, only to find out months or years later that maybe it was not wise to do what you did. Now, I know all of you have done that. Maybe not in your marriage, I'm talking about, but you have made decisions and and then you stepped on into the future and and now you can see more clearly and you realize that, well, you know, if I had a do-over, uh, I, I don't think that I would do that again. Now, maybe that decision is not as monumental as a marriage is concerned. In fact, the marriage decision is one of the biggest decisions of all. And of course, when you step out into the future of your marriage and begin to think that you have made a bad decision, well, it's more complex, obviously, but to some degree, we all have made what we would call the wrong decisions. And so in this podcast, I want to deal with a specific scenario. What if that decision was to marry someone you now believe was the wrong person? Again, if you want to read all about this, please come to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for this article. I think I, I married the wrong person. I wrote an article, and it is linked here. It's called How to Make a Biblical Decision. It's one of the most popular articles on our website. It's one that we send out often because, honestly, people come to us all the time asking us a question. They're trying to decide something. And because most of the people who come to us are trying to decide something, Inevitably, we will send them this article because it is our most concise, most succinct training on this idea of making a decision. Now, in that article and in the video that's also embedded inside of this article, 
I ask what the most critical question you can ask when making a decision is. If you had to answer that question, how would you answer it? What is the most critical question that you can ask yourself when making a decision? Here's the answer. The answer is, are you in faith to move forward with that decision? You see, this is what Paul talked about in Romans. Uh, my mind my mind just went totally blank. Uh, Romans 14, 23, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And he's talking about biblical decision-making in that context. How to decide whether to eat meat or not to eat meat. You make that decision based on faith. And if your decision, if you're not in faith, that's the language that I like to use, and that is what I will ask any couple that wants to get married, I will ask them, are you in faith to move forward in your decision? Because Paul says if you're not in faith, it would be sin for you to move forward. Therefore, the most critical question that you can ask is, are you in faith to move forward? Many times in my counseling career, folks had come to me questioning whether they made the right decision when they got married. They thought they were in love. They believed it was the right thing to do. You could say that they were in faith. So they got married. You see, the word believe is a synonym for faith. The word hope and confidence are also synonyms for faith. You could say, I am confident that God wants me to marry this person, or I believe God wants me to marry this person, or I am in faith, faith in God, that He wants me to get married. And so they do, but things have gone awry, and their faith for the marriage is now languishing. Now, at other times, there have been situations where two people were married, but they did not have the best motives for getting married. Now, 15 years later, they are convinced they made a wrong decision on their wedding day. And so the dissatisfied couple is asking why they should stay married. And so I've given you two scenarios here. The first couple did not know all that they wished they had known. Now, isn't that the way it is for all of us? When we look in, into our crystal ball, we want to know everything that we need to know so that when we make a decision, we won't get out in the future and, and say, I wish I had known that or I didn't know that. He wasn't like this when we were dating. How many times can I hear this? And so this first couple did not know all that they wished they had known. And the other couple that I gave you in my second scenario, they knew better. They knew better, but they chose not to respond the right way or, or respond the right way to what they sensed in their spirits. And I've had this conversation many times, usually it's with women. A married woman will say, when we were dating, I saw signs or I had a sense that this was really not right, but 
for whatever reason, they did it anyway. And so the first person moved forward and they learned more information later and now they regret it. The second couple, one or both of them knew better, but they did it anyway for whatever reason that was. These questions are more common than you might imagine. Now, typically, when you fully unpack these two scenarios that I just laid out for you, you'll find that there are two primary issues that come into view. And I want to deal with both of these issues in this podcast. The first one is, is a truncated view of the sovereignty of God. The second one is a selfish desire to escape God's work in your life. And you'll find that this will creep into your life in many other areas as well as it does mine. We Sometimes I tell people you just need to be a good sovereigntist. You just need to rest in the Lord for what is happening in your life right now. Having a truncated view of the sovereignty of God, well, that's not good. And then when we get into the difficulty, we can have a selfish desire to escape the difficulty to escape God's work in your life. So I want to deal with these two issues that come up over and over again in, in scenarios that I've just presented to you, two couples who are now somewhere in their marriage, and, and for two different reasons, they're thinking they should not be in their marriage. Let's look at this idea of a truncated view of sovereignty. Now, you need to go ahead and get this out on the table right now. There is no way to know God's will with absolute certainty when you look into your future. When you look into any crystal ball or whatever it is you look into, even God's Word, there is no way to know God's will with absolute certainty because God does not give us all the future information that we need about our lives. You see, James 4, 13, 14, and 15 teaches us to say that if it's the Lord's will, we shall do this or that. And so James is, is guarding us. He says, come on now, or come now, you who say... Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You, you hear what they're saying? This is what we're going to do a year from now. Can you say that with absolute certainty? And James says, no, that's reckless. In the text in verse 14 of James 4, he says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a time and then it disappears, it vaporizes, it vanishes it. No, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or that, because God will not give you all the information that you want. Therefore, the best you can do is to move forward by faith. Now, I want to ask you two questions at this point, and you tell me which question or which situation do you like the most? Here's question number one. Would you prefer to place your faith in having all the details laid out before you? Would you prefer that? Meaning you know everything that's going to happen in the future. You look into your crystal ball, and maybe I should stop saying crystal ball because I'll get email traffic on that. But you look into your future and you know all the details 
and therefore you move forward. You move forward in faith. What's your faith in? Your faith is in the known outcome. You move forward because you know all the facts. You move forward because you know the details. You know how it's going to end. Would you prefer that? Or would you choose to place your faith in the Lord? knowing that He knows the beginning from the end and that He will take care of you. Now, if you're like me, you probably will like the first outcome better than the second, knowing all the details. But where you land on my two questions will determine how you respond when the going gets tough for you. It's not unusual to get into a future situation only to find that the circumstances have taken a turn for the worse. In fact, you can guarantee that part of your future will be disappointing. You see, we're fallen people, living among fallen people, living in a fallen world. You can absolutely guarantee that in your future there will be disappointment. But that doesn't have to be a negative thing. I mean, it is negative, but it doesn't have to be an overcoming negative thing. But you do need to know this. This is what I tell Peter, uh, what I tell people about Matthew 14 with Peter walking on the water. He had a fantastic experience with God, but he did be started sinking into the water. Even though he stepped out in faith doing what God asked him to do, guess what? He began to sink. And no matter how much you are assured that you are doing what God wants you to do, you're going to take on water as well. It is a guarantee. If you live your life in such a way, in a hermetically sealed world, an idealistic world, a utopia, which, by the way, means no place, literally, then you are, you're living in no place. You're, you're living in a, a situation in your mind that will never come to fruition. You're going to sink no matter how well you do due diligence. Now, I'm not saying you should be lazy and just be a fool and just jump out and do anything. You want to do due diligence, but you also want to guard from the other ditch. In one ditch, there is laziness and slothfulness and lack of preparation. And then in the other ditch is that you have to have every T crossed and every I dotted. And if that is you, well, you can't get there. You'll, you'll never be able to be so self-reliant that you can keep yourself from disappointment. The story of Joseph in the Old Testament is a sober reminder of a person who experienced a, a future strewn with difficulty. But you see, Joseph had enough sovereign clarity. And you want to put those two words in, in quotation marks. And you want to highlight them if you print off this article, you want to take your, your yellow highlighter and highlight those two words, sovereign clarity. Joseph had enough sovereign clarity to understand that in the mysteries of God, the Lord was working a plan for the good of many. His faith was in God rather than knowing all the details of the outcome. By the way, it is part of God's design to put you in spots that you can't get yourself out of under your own self-reliant means. Paul taught this very clearly in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He told the brothers, he told his friends, he said, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. 
you could translate it this way, talking to your friends at your local church meeting. You could say, dear sister, I don't want you to be unaware of the affliction that I experienced in my marriage. Paul went on to say, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And there are many people that are in marriages that they have been pushed or burdened beyond their strength, beyond their ability to rectify what is broken in their marriage to the point to where they are despairing. Paul finished the next sentence. He says, indeed, we, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And I have heard that in marriage counseling before. And then he finishes with this fourth sentence in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but to rely on God who raises the dead. In some marriage situations, the marriage has gone wrong, though the person thought it was a good idea in the beginning. In other cases, there is the person who was never in true faith to get married, but did it anyway and is now contemplating ending the marriage. In either case, God speaks to these bad marriages in two clear ways. Here's one, option number one. Ultimately, you cannot do anything outside of God's decreed will. God could stop you if He wanted to do so. We may make our plans, but God is the one who orders our steps. And if He permits your steps, I'm talking about your steps to get married. If God permits your steps, even though they take you to some difficult places, the Lord will be there before you arrive. Now, the reason that I say it that way is because in Exodus chapter 1, verse 5, it talks about Joseph's family coming down to Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 1, verse 5, it says, All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. And then it says, and here is a, a short phrase at the end of the sentence. It says, Joseph was already in Egypt. That is striking, Joseph was already in Egypt before his family arrived to that difficult place. What does that mean? It means that God was already there preparing for Joseph's family to get there. And that's why I said, even though your steps may take you to some difficult places, the Lord will be there before you arrive. As Joseph's family realized God was already there as he established Joseph in Egypt before they ever thought that they would need him. Even if we mess up, in our marriage decision, as we're talking, as I'm talking about in this podcast, the glory of God will shine through our finite and imperfect planning. Most certainly, it is not all about us. God can use sin sinlessly. And even though your choice to marry may not have been the best decision, God still guides. He's still sovereign, either allowing or hindering or stopping the covenant. And since he did not stop your covenant relationship with your spouse and you are married to your spouse, now it's time for you to trust him and his purposes for your life rather than seeking to end what he has permitted. 
And so option number one, ultimately you can't do anything outside of God's decreed will. Option number two, God only gives three clear ways to end a marriage. Death, adultery, abandonment. Now you can Google and you can find all kind of loopholes and, and footnotes and caveats here. And I'm not going to get into that. I'll just give you the traditional, historical, biblical view. These sad circumstances do not mean that you should dissolve your reunion, even though in the case of adultery or desertion, it is a biblical option. Your first call to action is to trust Him. I'm unpacking two ideas here, a truncated view of, of the sovereignty of God. You don't want that. In a moment, I'll talk about a selfish desire to escape God's work in your life. But right now, I'm talking about a truncated view of the sovereignty of God. And even though you may have an out clause in your marriage... Your first call to action is not that, but to trust God, rest in Him. He is perfectly working even when we are not correctly doing things. Whether you had the right faith or no faith for your marriage is not a biblical option for you to end your marriage. He's calling you to trust Him now, even though you might not have done that as well as you could have when you married. And that folds right into my second point a desire to escape God's work in your life. Somebody somehow and at some level is being selfish in your marriage. It's probably both people. As they say, it takes two to tango, and, and I've never seen the, a marriage be in a difficult place where uh, both people, one of the partners, one of the spouses, was not guilty. Now, it could be true that one is more guilty than the other, but if, if the desire to get married were a selfish one, let's say that your desire to get married was a selfish one. You were making it all about you. It would not be a surprise that the motive for divorce is, to some degree, selfish as well. The better approach would be to work on the issues related to the selfishness rather than looking for an escape clause to get out of the marriage. Now, I've already said that you, you may have a legitimate biblical out, but that is not the first call to action. Even though you can find that biblical out in 1 Corinthians or Matthew 19, the whole tone of the Bible is about reconciliation and redemption. And so you always start with reconciliation and redemption. Doing things the way you want to do them may be the reason you are married, but you don't want to make that mistake a second time by doing what you want to do because things are hard for you. If your motives are not entirely pure at this point, divorce will not rectify the real problem because the real problem will be selfishness. My recommendation would be to get some help for yourself and fight for your marriage. Your wisdom may be finite. <laughs> and you're not entirely comfortable with where you are in your covenant or who you have married. But let me urge you to rest in the one who is not finite, and the one who can lead where you are blind. Though it may seem this marriage was meant for evil, hearkening back to Joseph's story in Genesis 50, I can tell you that God means it for good. Honor your covenant. It will take some work to get there, but it's worth it. And be sure to find competent biblical help because you're too subjective now. You need people who are outside of your marriage helping you practically. 
The title of this podcast is, I, I think I married the wrong person. I want to wrap this up by giving you some call to action, thoughts, things for you to do. Number one, I if you're in this situation, I want you to watch my biblical decision-making video. It's short, but it's really important. It's critical for you, and you need to make the time to watch this video so you have a thorough understanding of how to make a biblical decision. And then to follow that up, I want you to read the Biblical Decision Making article that's also linked inside of this one. Now, point number three, and I really want you to hear this because some of you have already thought of this. Some of you already constructed an email that you want to blast off to me. And so before you do that, I want you to hear this. If you're in an abusive marriage, you must find help immediately. Nobody should require you to stay in an abusive marriage with no recourse for help. Did you hear that? Did you hear what I just said? This article is not about those relationships. This article and this podcast that I'm sharing with you is about normal, bad marriages only, if I can construct the sentence that way. If you're in an abusive marriage, you must find help immediately. Don't feel any pressure from me because I don't intend any whatsoever. And then finally, in point number four, under the call to action, I want you to get my book, Get Ready. It is a marriage book that will help you. And I want you to get it and read it. I, I have 20-something chapters in that book. I have a call to action at the end of each chapter. It is a marriage workbook, and if you get it and read it and really work at it, it can help you, and hopefully your spouse will be just as eager uh, to do the same. And if you both are, you can get yourself to a good place. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.